0: You know, sometimes it's nice just to relax in the shallow end of the pool, isn't it? You know what I mean? You know the deep end where you're trying to save your life? <laughs> I'm just a terrible swimmer, and I just like, oh, right to the other side, you know? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then, uh, then there's the shallow end. Oh, yeah. You know the place where you launch the kids? <laughs> you know? Who thought of that game, right? <laughs> That's a good one. And uh, at some point you just kinda relax. Put your Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got your arms up on the side, nothing going on. It's just time to relax in the shallow end of the pool. I always wanted to go on a vacation where I was at a place where you got to swim up to one of those pool bars. I mean that just looks like another kind of fun altogether, right? I've never been to one of those places but you can just swim up. I've seen them on TV it's got to be real. You just I, you just you're just in the pool and you go, "Well, I think I'm going to get something to drink." And you swim swim over this place. Oh, I'd like a Coca-Cola, please. Does anybody ever been to one of those places? What? Can you take me there? Could we go together? I like this. I just can't think of anything more relaxing than relaxing in the pool with some... You know, you don't even have to get out of the water, right? Well, that's what the Summer Short Series is all about. So we move into the Summer Short Series of teachings on on Sunday mornings. It's really what it's about. It's about relaxing in the shallow end of the pool. It's just taking a break and kind of relaxing and um, it's a series of messages just intended to encourage you and strengthen you in your faith that way. Uh, you guys have been working hard lately. The Through the Bible series, uh, I've enjoyed bringing them. You guys have been very responsive to them, and it, but it, it takes some work on your part to, to bring that in and to do the work, the context stuff, and all that kind of thing that we've been doing. And I think sometimes it's important just to take a break from that. We'll stop at Daniel. We'll pick it up in whatever the next book is. I'm going to say Hosea. Uh, I haven't actually read all the way through the Bible yet, but I'm working on it. It's my my summer plan is to get all the way. Um, But that explains a lot, doesn't it? But just to take a break. And let some of that stuff we've been working on just Sink in. Let it find a, its way to some place in your heart. Because it's, it's meaningless to study the scriptures if it doesn't change us, right? So we're just going to spend, uh, spend some time in the shallow end of the pool. And the summer short series are three things. They are shallower. So you're going to have to trust me for certain things that I typically give you, like context and stuff like that, some of the study we normally do. You're just going to have to trust that I've done that for you. Um, they're, they're shallower they're also more practical really focused on practical application of the scriptures and mostly in response to the questions that you've asked as i asked you to ask me some questions things you're thinking about and as practical they're really more topical in nature than they are expositional and if those are big words for you you don't get expositional means like to take a what we normally do here take a passage from the bible and bring it out bring it out But these uh, messages won't be quite like that. They'll be more topical, which means we're going to kind of be running. We're going to be working your Bibles really hard. So if you have them, get them out or turn them on or whatever you guys do, okay? Get there. Um, We're going to be working the Bibles. And then prepare to cheer if you like, but they're going to be shorter. Ushers. Get that that woman out of here. They're going to be shorter, so you're going to have to listen a little bit faster than normal. Okay? I was going to suggest in the summer short series that I was going to suggest you could feel free to dress more casually. (laughs) But I was afraid somebody's coming in their pajamas or something. I think we better stick where we are on that for a while, anyway. I I requested uh, over the last several weeks, last couple months, you know, send me some ideas for the summer short series. Some of the things that are on your mind. And hard. I won't be able to get to all of them, but you've been really helpful. And uh, I'm going to start today with trying to answer the question that one of the brothers uh, sent in. And, and, and the question, as I understand it, is what are you supposed to do between the mountaintops? You know what I mean? I mean, you got mountaintop experience, mountaintop experience. What are you supposed to do in between the mountaintops? And I think that's what he meant in his email. I didn't really bother to ask him because I'm a guy and I don't ask for directions, right? I just kind of said, well, that's that's got enough. I can go with that. So what is it that you do between the mountaintops? I mean, we love the mountaintops at the vineyard, right? And you know what I mean by the mountaintops is those places where you're just sensing the presence of the Lord. There's a dynamic that's going on in your life. And uh, it's just really a powerful, powerful time where God is really obvious in your life, right? Let's call those the mountaintops, and you could put some other, other uh, descriptors on that as well. But um, what do you do in between? Let me ask you this question. How many of you in this room are right now on a mountaintop? Look around. Keep your hands up. You, and you see, and it's wonderful. God bless you. We hate you, but God bless you. Uh, but did you see how a few hands went up? Because that's life, Right? We really are glad for you guys, but just remember, your turn's coming. (laughs) Just kidding. Just think about that. We're glad for you guys, but look at, I mean, the vast majority of mountaintops are exceptional experiences. That's why we call them mountaintops. So what are you supposed to do in between the two? Well, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 84. Psalm 84 and uh, while we're all doing that, I'd like for one of you to turn to Philippians chapter 3, because I'm going to have you read something in just a minute. But Psalm 84, pretty sure we visited this as a hot spot hotspot the, through the Bible series when I was doing Psalms. But um, Psalm 84, verse 1, it talks about this mountaintop thing. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, it says. This is one of the sons of Korah who wrote this. My soul yearns, even faints. For the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So you start out, and it's like, I want to be on the mountaintop, right? I want to be in that space. I might, something's crying out within me. to have that kind of an experience with God again. And then it says uh, in verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. So pilgrimage, what is that? That's a journey, right? If you're a pilgrim, you're not home. You're on your way somewhere. And the Bible says... Blessed are those who have set their hearts on that, who understand that that's what their life is going to be. It's going to be a, a pilgrimage from one place to another. And then if you jump down to verse 7, it, it helps us. It says they go, these pilgrims, they go from strength to strength until each before, appears before God in Zion. So they go from strength to strength, from mountaintop to mountaintop, but what is necessarily between every mountaintop? A valley. You can't, it's not even a defined other mountaintop unless there's a valley. And, and, and the Bible says that our pilgrimage is going to be from strength to strength. So what do you do in between? What, what do you do in the middle? Don't answer yet, okay? What do you do? What about the real estate in between? So somebody, somebody who has Philippians chapter 3 in an understandable translation, uh, read verses 12 through... What translation do you have there, Marie? Bless you a thousand times, okay. Thanks, Marie. Nicely done. So here's Paul's sense. He says, I'm not there yet. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. I I'm haven't I'm already been made perfect. Uh, there's something else out there. I'm still in process. I'm still on journey. I'm still on pilgrimage. But he said, here's one thing I do. I keep pressing on. I keep pressing on. I keep pressing on to do what? To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. God's got a hold of you for something, right? I mean, it's not just acts. He's got a hold. He has a purpose. Ephesians 2.10, you're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a function. God has, and it could be a variety of things. You don't have to worry about, like, missing the one thing. But God has plans for you. And so... Paul says I want to keep pressing on. I want to keep moving. I don't want to get stalled between the mountains. I don't want to get stalled. Strength to strength. I don't want to get stuck. Anybody ever got stuck? Yeah. So how do we how do we go how do we go on? Do we just do we just say, "Well, suck it up and keep going. Soldier on." Well, that's one answer, but I've got five others for you, okay? But you're going to have to listen fast. First five practical helps. I hope at least one of these is Somehow helpful to you this morning and keeping you moving between the tops, okay? First, focus on true. Focus on true. Focus your mind, your heart, your life on what you know to be true. What is true? What is true? Focus on that. Keep thinking about that. Keep internalizing what is true. I mean, there are certain things that you know to be true, right? I mean, you absolutely know it. Let's take gravity. Okay, so we know that gravity is true. And there are other things that you believe to be true. And you have a core certainty about them, right? What we just were singing about, about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, we we believe those things fundamentally, essentially to be true, yes? We believe that he rose from the dead, yes or no? We believe that he's coming back, yes or no? We believe that after this, by the blood of Christ, you're going to heaven, yes or no? So you believe these things. These things are fundamentally true. And if you want to move from strength to strength, if you don't want to get stuck in the valley in between, focus on what is true. Because the enemy is constantly trying to create in our minds a worst-case scenario picture, right? And when we dwell on that, we begin to fulfill that. We begin to walk in that. But when we we dwell on truth, because the worst case scenario isn't even true. How do you know when the devil's lying? His lips are moving, right? Exactly. He's called the deceiver of the... He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the deceiver in the Bible. And so the, the scenario is not even true. And yet we just get obsessed with it sometimes, don't we? So you want to move out of that? Focus on what's true. Somebody look at uh, Philippians 4, 8, and then somebody else look at 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. 2 Corinthians 4, let's start with the 2 Corinthians passage. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 and 17. Could somebody volunteer to read that aloud for us so we could all hear? Thank you, Michael. Good, thank you. So he says, here's what's happening. In the valley, in the process, we're wasting away. He said, my outward circumstances... You know you had a tough life, right? My outward circumstances are this. But, he said, I'm choosing to focus not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because I know that what God is producing in me by what is true far outweighs, he says, the troubles that I'm facing. This is what moves us toward the next peak. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Who has that for us? Harry, go ahead. Brothers and sisters. Think about such things. Beautiful. Think about, put this in your mind. Whatever is, how, What? How's that list start? Whatever is, whatever is true. So you focus on, on true. What does that do? Does that just psych us up and get us through the moment? Here's what I think er, focusing on true does. I think it it shows us a way to live in the moment from principle rather than practice the, the circumstances. It focuses us on the principle thing that's going on in spite of our circumstances. You know what I mean by that? So it's like there are certain abiding principles that are true. They're absolutely true. And when we're kind of in the mess... And kind of when we're stuck, when we focus not on some make-believe, pie-in-the-sky thing, but on what the Bible says is true, well, then we can, we can begin to live according to our principles rather than just responding to the mess around us. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I want you to think about even some of the great historical figures. I mean, think about some of the people in the Bible, right? Some of the people in the Bible. I mean, last week we looked at Daniel, and his life was tough, and he was misunderstood, all of these things. But what happened was he lived according to principle. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We, looked, we look at them, and it's like they said, yeah, you can throw us into the furnace if you want, but guess what? You're about to be surprised because they were living according to principle. And if you look at great historical figures through the ages, if you think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you think about Cory ten Boom, if you think about Martin Luther King, Jr., if you think about these people who, who lived by principle, by principle. Because they focused on what was true. So that's my encouragement to you. The second thing you can do if you're in between the tops is to release your faith. Release it. I mean, actively release your faith. Because when you, when you realize you're in between the tops, when it dawns on you, oh crap, I'm not on the mountaintop anymore. Crapith, sorry for the Baptists. Use the King James Version. When you realize that as sudden awareness, then what it presents to you is an opportunity then to release your faith toward where you don't want to be. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that faith is the evidence of something, what is it? Things hoped for. Hope for and the substance of things not seen. So you can't see it, but you can hope for it. And that's what faith is, is its creation of that. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it's impossible to please God, for whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what it does is when you release your faith, when you're in between the tops, it propels you in the knowledge that that God is going to meet you, that you're going to be there again. And it's a a release of your faith. Somebody look up Luke chapter 9, Luke, Gospel of Luke chapter 9. I want to show you something here that Jesus did with his disciples, I think is uh, relevant to what we're talking about. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Anybody care to read that for us? Harry, you already read, you're done. Yeah, uh, Lynn. Uh, Just 1 and 2. Great, thanks. He said, look, Jesus brought his disciples, and it said he gave them something. What did he give them? Power, and he gave them authority. So this is something he gave to them. And then they had a choice, didn't they? And their choice was to stand there with it or to go and release that, release that. And that's what they did. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom, to heal the sick. He told them. And so when you're in the valley, listen, when you're in between peaks and you're not feeling like entering into the kind of the kingdom stuff around here, like praying for the sick or that kind of thing, that's the most important time to do it. is when you're in between spaces, that's the most important time. I mean, there have been tons of you we've trained to be part of our prayer team. But sometimes you just don't feel like being a part of that. That's the best time. To come because you know it doesn't depend on you. You're not going to work it up and help this person who comes to you. Okay, I'm wondering. I said I'd be shorter. Uh, Release your faith. Number three, live out your discipleship. Live it out. You're between tops? Then live it out as a disciple. So the Bible records Jesus is telling his disciples to, he said, to go into all the world and make what? Make what? Church members. Vineyardites, Bible thumpers, he said disciples, make disciples, just make disciples of all nations, make make disciples. And so the whole plan of God is to turn us into disciples. And so our model here in this space is that we have a very strong commitment to helping you develop a foundation of discipleship. Well, it's not just so you can check off that you've been through all four classes of our discipleship, all four set series of our discipleship training series, but it's to give you a foundation so that you can actually do the stuff, so that you actually practice the spiritual disciplines. Like prayer. I don't feel like praying. Best time to do it. Worship. I don't feel like worshiping. Best time to do it. Like meditation. Like sharing your faith, just bearing witness to what you've seen God do. I don't feel like it. Best time to do it. I promise you this. You're going to be a more effective evangelist when you're in the valley than when you're on the mountaintop. Why is that? Because you're going to have a stronger connection with regular people instead of these other religious fanatics who are on the mountaintop with you. I mean, think about it. When do you not reach people? It's when you're all jazzed up about Jesus and the people are going like, oh, he's on one of those days today, okay? Well, what if you just said, my life sucks right now, but you know who's bearing me through it? You know who's bearing me through it is Jesus, that that hasn't shaken my faith. Think of the people you can share your honest testimony with rather than the made-up one, okay? So live out your discipleship. Uh, Luke chapter 9, while you're going there, oh, we're already there. Uh, Live out your discipleship also means serving God, serving him. That's the best time to serve God is between the peaks. It's just follow the stirring. Stir. God has put a stirring in your heart. I wonder if I could do that. Uh, so Luke chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. Somebody other than Harry, who will read that? Somebody? Uh, tra- okay, uh, sorry, Brenna's up. We'll get you next, Tracy. Okay, go ahead, Brenna. Yeah, Please. beautiful. So so they just went. They just did it. They went from village to village. It was like strength to strength. This is the life of a follower of Jesus Christ is to just keep moving in the direction of his compelling. And so they told them to do it, they did it and and they they, they were effective in what they did. So he, Jesus warned them. Some days are going to be better than others. You're going to go to some places and they're going to be oh yeah, you're here. And then you're going to go to other places and they're going to oh my But he said it's the same. Just keep doing it. Just keep walking out the details of your discipleship. Number four, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Just tell somebody you're in between the peaks. Tell somebody you're in the valley. Tell somebody you're stuck. Because there's nothing like going it alone to make it worse, right? And there's nothing like living in isolation to make us easy prey for the enemy, right? And there's nothing like having a brother or two who know when you're between the taps. Luke chapter 10, just to flip over a page. Verses 1 through 3. Uh, Tracy, you there? Yeah. Thanks. This, the Lord pointed, Do not... That's good. Yeah, thanks. How did Jesus send them out? Dose by dose, Right? one by one two by two nobody goes this alone there is no provision in the New Testament for a Christian faith that is in isolation we are not saved into a vacuum it's not about just getting your sorry butt to heaven it's about being saved into a body and saved into relationship two by two he sent them, that's how he sent them Look at the look at the verse, the passage again and figure out why he sent them that way. Yeah, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Thanks Jesus, right? I mean, holy smokes. That's how it, that's what the reality of it is. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That it's dangerous out there. Try it alone, you will fail. When you have a brother, when you have a sister, when you have a trusted other believer in your life that way. I have three brothers in my life who know when I'm between the tops. And they they do not need my invitation to get up into my space. I mean, they have shown up at my doorstep and said, I'm going to pray for you now. I didn't call you. Well, we didn't ask you that. That's the kind of brother you want to be in this with, right? Tell somebody. And then the last one, feed the fire. You want to move? You want to keep moving? Feed the fire. You got a fire inside of you. You got something inside of you that, you know, when when it gets fed, it gets going. And Psalm 84 back there verse 2, my soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. There's something inside of you, and it's going to be unique to you. I mean, there'll be some common commonalities between us, but at the end of the day, it's your fire. It's your fire. There's something inside of you that gets going with God when that gets touched. You know what I mean? And, and some of you know what I mean, and some of you don't. Some of you say, oh, yeah, I know. You know, maybe it's worship. Maybe it's studying the Word. Maybe it's serving Him. Maybe it's feeding the homeless. Maybe it's... Maybe it's, uh, you know, connecting with others in, in, in prayer. Maybe, may, may, maybe it's, it's uh, just being way out there on a limb, you know. But there's something in your life that's available to you that feeds the fire. Every single one of us. And so we need to recognize that and feed it. Man, just stoke the fire. Stoke the fire. What is it that drew you in the beginning? You know, Jesus... Jesus said to to the church in Revelation, he said, you've forsaken your first love. He said, remember your first love. What is it that got you going in the beginning? You know, we're kind of going through a tough time as a church right now. It's tough on all of us. It really is. And you know what I'm doing? I'm just going back to the beginning. I'm just going back to the beginning. I'm just praying. I'm worshiping God. I'm listening for his voice. Just back to the beginning. There's something that feeds your fire. That's irrespective of any circumstances, pleasant or unpleasant, that may be going on around you. There's something that's still there. That's what you want to feed. That's the fire that you want to feed. Some of you are saying, I don't, I don't know what that is. Well, if you pursue God and say, what's my fire? He'll reveal it to you, but I've got to warn you. Buckle up. You pray that prayer. Buckle up. Because he changes the price tags on everything. That's about all I got to say about that. You can move. You you don't have to be stuck. There's a journey for you. And there's a place to start. There's a place to start that journey. And sometimes restart that journey if you get stuck. Sometimes we get stuck. How do we we restart? We go back to the place where we started it, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross that got us into this, right? So it's the thing that revives it. Because in reality, when we get stuck, we're taking on a lot of stuff, either things thrown on us or things we, by our own bad decisions, have heaped upon ourselves, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing. they got to go, Right? And we need the help of God. We need the blood of Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ to get us started again. Anybody read Exodus yet? Anybody get that far? You should be there. Come on. It's the second book. You know when they left Egypt? They were in bondage. They were not living in the fulfillment as the people of God. They were in bondage. And they started a journey, didn't they? A journey that led to Grove City Vineyard, basically, if you do this tree. They started a journey. Remember what the last plague was that was visited on Egypt? Murmur, murmur. You sound like Israelites. Speak it up. (laughs) Yeah, the death of the firstborn, exactly. The death of the firstborn. You remember the appointment of that horrible plague was that the angel of death was going to just roam about that space in Egypt. And the firstborn in every household was going to die unless. Unless what? Unless the blood, you got it, unless the blood of the lamb was washed where? Over the doorpost. So they take the blood of the sacrificial lamb, they put it over the doorpost, And this in the kingdom realm, the heavenlies, this was a mark to this angel of death. They're covered. They're covered. Do not visit that house. They are covered. Right? This is the beginning of their journey. It was the last plague. That happened and Pharaoh said, leave. Go. Their journey started under the blood of the lamb. Fast forward to Jesus who is the perfect fulfillment of the sacrificial lamb of the Mosaic law. He's the perfect fulfillment that his blood shed not many times, but once for all continues to speak for the people of God. This blood of the cross, this blood that was shed on the cross, this is where our journey begins, under the blood. It's the same thing in a new way. The journey starts under the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you have not yet come to the place of understanding the love of the Father through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, then today is your day. You can come under the blood of the cross. And if you're here today and you know all about that, and you're stuck, you're just stuck and you don't know how to get moving forward, your journey starts at exactly the same place. It starts at the foot of the cross, under the blood. It's a refreshing of a salvation that you already have. You're not saved again. You're not resaved. When Jesus Christ saves you, he saves you for all eternity. But there are times when we get stuck, and we just need to go back to the place that it all began, which is under the blood of Jesus Christ. I've got the cross situated here behind me rather conspicuously this morning. And I think it's compelling to some of you. I think that there are some of you in here today who have a stirring just because of this cross. And you see it and there's something kind of stirring inside of you and saying, I've got to do something. Maybe you want to become a Christian. Maybe you want to be born again today. And for the first time ever in all of eternity, place yourself under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ that's great, that's great, and maybe you're here, and you are a believer, but you're stuck, and you just need the blood of Jesus Christ to lubricate and set you free, well, if you're compelled by that, if you're stirred by that, and the image of this cross, I'm going to ask you to do something, I'm going to ask you to come, You can do whatever you like when you get here. You can come up, you can sit, you can kneel, you can stand, whatever's on your heart to do. I'm not going to try to control you. This is your time with God, but there's something stirring inside of you. Just come. This is your time with the Lord. Your prayer is obvious. Let the blood of Jesus Christ be applied to your life. Just call out to him. From your heart, you don't need a pastor. You don't need a priest. Jesus Christ is your shepherd. Jesus Christ is your priest. He stands as the perfect mediation between man and God. You don't need anybody else. Just pray your heart out.